Welcome back to the TowerCast podcast, the towering podcast for the towering filmmaker of El Paso and the world. We're back with another episode. Um, I think the last time we saw you guys on this podcast, at least kind of on a consistent level, was for the Las Cruces International Film Festival. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, that was a lot of fun, man. We talked to a ton of great people. If you haven't seen those episodes, go check out like the Giancarlo Esposito episode. We talked oh, to Kevin Reynolds. We talked to Ed Stone. Um, and then even in years prior, we talked to Melissa Barrera and William H. Macy and all these guys, Charles, all these dudes. So like that was it's been a lot of fun to yeah. do that festival and to talk to, to a lot of people. And there's a couple more festivals coming up, at least here locally for us. There's going to be a ton of fun. Um, things like the El Paso Film Festival, El Paso Media Fest and, uh, of course, Las Cruces again next year. So uh, we may uh, we may have some exciting guests to share with you at that point. However, we're in studio with uh, virtually with a very exciting guest, and I'll get into very that. Exciting. Let me make sure and introduce my fellow co-host, Mr. Michael Delo. Thank you, guys. I'm back with the cinematography perspective, as always. Mr. John Eric Asano. I'm back with the actor's perspective, and I'm excited for this guy's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Mr. Austin Young in the back, make sure we're sounding good there. Awesome. And at the time of this recording, I'm not sure when this episode drops. I think it's the first week of September. But at the time of the, this recording... We have Mr. Austin Young's birthday. Oh. Is Mr. Young's birthday in studio? We have, you can't see it because there's no camera on him today. Yeah. But uh, balloons but and cake and all this jazz that we kind of yeah, brought party down to the studio. Party hat tutus and the whole <laughs> The whole shebang. Right? The whole shebang, really. But happy birthday, Austin. Uh, thank you for everything you do for Tower Man and everything you do for you are the, the podcast. Best. And everybody listening out there knows that you're the guy making sure we're, we're, we're doing our jobs. Absolutely. Right? Um, I'm your humble film servant, Carlos Torre. Make sure I give you... You know, some some perspective on directing and writing and right, producing. Try, yeah, just just a little bit. I try. I try, you know. Um, no, but it's been it's been a great ride with Tower so far, man. This year has been our busiest in terms of development, in terms of getting projects off the ground, despite the fact that there's a writer's strike, there's an actor strike, which I want to ask yeah. our guest about because I'm sure he's feeling the effects of that as well, just like us and everybody, anybody who's a storyteller in this medium. Um, so without further ado, I have to introduce the great, the awesome, Mr. Eller Coltrane. You may know him from a ton of amazing films that he's done and, and TV shows and stuff like that. But he did uh, Boyhood with one of my heroes, yes. Richard Linklater, is, yes. just has always been a, a hero of mine. And I, I definitely want to talk to him about that. But uh, we, well, last time I, I met up with Eller, we, we were talking a little bit about the last movie star and seeing Burt Reynolds in oh. that capacity and oh, yeah. one of his final roles and and uh the circle and just a bunch of stuff and not to mention he's a big champion of indie stuff i saw him rather heard him in a, a mutual friend of ours is film the weird kids uh here oh, at yeah. a screening here at the plaza theater in, in el paso and and his character was just a tons of fun and and he came down to do that as well so um so yeah he's a big champion of indie stuff big champion of indie films um and his even his uh his upcoming stuff sounds very exciting so Without further ado, Eller, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being on the TowerCast today. Thanks so much. Hello, hello. Thank you. So, Eller, um, you, have a, you have a lot of perspective for us, man. You have a lot of perspective for us. <laughs> and um, the, the way we like to kick off this podcast usually is how did you start your storytelling career? What made you want to become a storyteller? When did you get the acting book? Or or anything else, right? If it wasn't acting at first, if it was True. writing, if it was whatever, you know? True. Yeah. No, I mean, acting really was the first thing for me. Um, you know, I, it, it was almost kind of like a given, you know? Uh, I think I have found as I've 
grown into my life and my career, what, you know, the career that I have had, like I've, you know, I think found my own relationship True. with acting specifically. Um, but like, you know, my mom was a stage actor. My dad mm. has been a performing musician my entire life. And I was, I was homeschooled um, for most of my childhood. And so like, there's this theater school uh, called Zachary Scott in Austin mm. that I did summer camps at. Um, I think the first thing I really remember is like improv classes that we would do there. <laughs> um, and then plays, you know, we did Shakespeare, like, you know, little kid <laughs> versions of, of Shakespeare <laughs> stuff. And, um, that was really the beginning of it, you know, and it wasn't, it was just like my school, you know, right. like it, I, I was, uh, I was like, I liked it. I, I love, I've always loved movies, you know, like that's really the thing is just like watching films and talking about films was kind of my, one of the biggest things that my dad and I bonded over, like from a really young age. What were and some of just, those, some of those conversations? Do you remember some of those, like, one thing I know Gossett was always curious about and all of us, right, is like, what was that film that you may have seen with your dad? What was that film that, that you guys could nonstop talking about that really kicked off this like, this like, man, that was amazing. Can I do that? Or you're, you know. They, they still go back to it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, one thing, one thing that I, is not exactly answering your question, but one thing that I do remember very much from early, from like early childhood is that like, when there were movies like like the matrix like i remember mm. being so excited about the matrix but like i was too young you know i mean that movie came out in what 98 or 99 so i was like five years old so like i i, I wasn't allowed to see that movie but my dad would like describe the plots <laughs> okay. of movies that were too adult for me to see yeah. oh, wow. and so like those are really some of the earliest memories i have of like thinking really hard about movies and like trying to imagine them sure. as they're as they're just being described to me verbally so like i don't know i i just feel like having that relationship like it just framed my relationship with the kind of storytelling of film in a certain way to be like, you know, even while I'm watching something mm. like just really like analyzing the, you know, the script and the narrative and like also kind of having my own imaginative version of it sure, almost sure. Okay. like as I'm watching a film. Um, so like, yeah, the matrix is definitely an early one, but it's like, <laughs> My relationships with that movie started before, like before I saw it. Yeah. Um, Cause it feels like uh, sometimes when you're with your family and they're describing a film, especially like I had that at a young age too. My dad's like a, a big cinephile in his own way. And, uh, I learned to love movies through the way that he would talk about them, which was very conceptual. So you found film to be something with meaning and something with purpose and intention. So then before you even watch it, you're already thinking about it like that. I, I'm guessing it's a similar experience, right? Yeah. 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 Now, definitely. Was see, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go. See, I came up different. See, I came up with like three 
movies that I always watched, which one of them was The Matrix, Cable uh. Guy. Those are just the ones that I watched. Matrix, oh, Cable Guy. What was the third one? Uh, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I, 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 I'm, I'm in the similar way. I didn't. My parents were not artistic per se. They, they didn't pursue the arts. Um, definitely not as a career, and and not really outside of music to a certain extent. Not really. And and um, I just had that bug, but I didn't know what it meant. You mm-hmm. know, I would watch cinema and just love it. You know, with my brother, we'd watch things like. Back to the Future and some of the action comedies that were super popular, you know, like Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2. And and we would just we didn't know what this was and we didn't know why it made us a part of it was like, you know, having a shitty, a shitty childhood and and escapism and just kind of using that form to just escape a little bit from our kind of a reality. Oh, yeah. And but then once I knew what it was and once more than anything, I have a friend who tells me all the time, like, it's funny, man, when I was young. I thought gods made films. I didn't know there was a profession. I didn't know there was a director. I just thought they came out of somewhere. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting thing to kind of draw that out. And, and specifically in your case, Stellar, um, I think it's fascinating that you, your mom being a stage performer, you probably grew up in the theater, you know, and hanging out and going to rehearsals and going to, you know, dress rehearsals and just hanging out for stuff like that. Um, but your mind frame of of acting at least or or storytelling was cinema was was film on the film format how was that did did you did you explore theater a little bit or was that everything where like no i want to be a theater actor or was it just like i really love movies and i want to get kind of get closer to this format yeah i mean it was definitely film has always kind of been my you know my i don't know interest my hobby special interest like um theater like like i said that was just kind of like my school more or less so it's like it wasn't i enjoyed it enough (laughs) but it wasn't something that i was like i didn't as a four-year-old be like i want to do this i want to go do it was just your norm your norm gentlemen of verona or whatever (laughs) like uh Yeah. It was just, yeah, like that was the class that I was doing and the, and the social environment wow. that I had, you know, and I think that was really most of it, like was just the social environment okay, and like being part of a, of a cast, of a crew, you know, which is honestly still like with really all film and theater and, you know, so many different artistic practices, like just the creation of it is yeah. one thing, but also just being part of a collaborative community, sure. like that's is a- almost my favorite part of it, you know? And that's, yeah. I, I, I liked, I've done a lot of, you know, behind the, behind the, the camera stuff. Um, not camera work, but, no, but like know. art department. I know you, you, you work. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. I've done, a, like done a lot of art department and, you know, set design <laughs> and set dressing and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I really love being a part of the, mechanism and being mm-hmm. a part of a team yeah. in that way you know and that's really even with film yeah like that is more what my relationship with it was about growing up mm. like was that your that's you know, I, that's what i wanted to ask in terms of like your first really your first kind of experiences in front of the camera uh or on a set in general because correct me if i'm wrong um austin and this is due in part to people like robert rodriguez and link later and you know what Elizabeth Aviano has been a friend of the podcast for, for a while now, tells us stories all the time on 
on the how Austin was bubbling up with productions, you know, especially in the early 2000s and then moving forward, right? Which is where you were exposed to it, if I'm not mistaken. So what was that first time being on a set? What was that first time that you got to like, oh, what is this magic? Like I got, I see 10,000 crew members running around, you know, in, in some capacity doing something. And right. I just love being a part of this, this voodoo, this magic here. Like, what was that like for you? What was that first experience? Well, I mean, my my literal first experience on set was, I'm pretty sure, a film called Lone Star State of Mind. Lone Star uh, State of Mind. That is very, it was like, yeah, Austin indie film. It had, uh, oh, what, fuck, what was that guy's name? He, a, played, uh, he played Sandman in the third Spider-Man oh, movie. Big, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Thomas Hayden, Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yep, yep. There you go. So, yeah, I... He was he was in it, but he was you know before he was in Spider Man. That's cool. Um, but you know that I, it was a very small part. Like my memories of that are pretty vague. I I don't think I had a you know a deep awareness of really what was going on around me. So definitely like Boyhood was you know my real introduction oh, to like being a collaborator. Um, yeah. and just experiencing this, you know, the workings of a set and the community of a set, you know, and that, like, as I've learned yeah. as an adult now and, like, working on all kinds of other projects, like, that was a special environment, you know. Uh, uh, we're we're gonna true. we're gonna have to dive deep into this, man. Um, as as we dive into your career, because, like you said, if it sets precedent, um, look, you were you were thrust into this. If this was your first really kind of experience, it was a number one. You were you were the lead. You yeah. were cast into 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 the lead of something like this with opposite actors that not only had were at the peak of their career at that time, but are phenomenal actors you know ethan hawk patricia arquette i mean like oh, yeah. these are top of the line people right and a top of the line director to both like you you had you had you were thrust into this at a young age with those people around you now i'm sure it, it you learned a ton but what was that experience like to go from like all right i'm gonna start you know pursuing auditions and kind of going for this thing and then boom i'm part of a major major motion picture that is gonna take you know, so many years to shoot Couple years. and in that process, I'm going to have to come back every year with these amazing <laughs> kind of individuals. What, what did boyhood set for you as, as a precedence for, for other, I mean, it, it's almost like if, um, you know, uh, you, you get thrown into this world and I hope it didn't ruin it for you <laughs> for other experiences because you were thrown into just this magical experience right off the top yeah yeah it was crazy <laughs> i mean you know i was six uh when i was cast in that movie and like i mean i you know my parents showed me like i had seen some link later films i saw more you know leading up to that like when i started <laughs> auditioning and stuff and of course watched some of Ethan and Patricia's films. Um, so like I had an idea yeah. of who they were, but still like as a six year old, <laughs> you can't really wrap your head around it. Yeah. That's, like, a, that's a pretty good advantage, right? Of these, of these figures and especially Richard, you know, most directly in my life, like he is, especially at that point, like he was very much of just a, 
a fixture of the Austin kind mm. of art yeah. community, you know, and it's like everybody, you know, it's half of my extended friends and family of my parents, like we're in Slacker. Oh, and like, wow. We're around for all of that. Okay. And, you know, so it was very much a part of this narrative just of Austin, of Richard's career and of him kind of, you know, him and a few other folks kind of creating yeah. the, the film scene there, um, you know, in the 90s and, and early 2000s. But like, I... You feel like you yeah, were too I, young. That must have been an advantage, no to, right? Like you were too young yeah, to... Yeah, there's no way to comprehend that. There's yeah. no way for me to comprehend, <laughs> you know, that element of it or like the, what, like 12 years means yeah. you know um yeah so was it just your yearly i'm gonna come back to this thing come back to this this film family to do this thing but i'm not gonna know what it means until i'm 17 18 that i really whoa like is that when it really hit you or was it just what was that that process for you for you like just just something that you knew you love to do you knew you love to act um and i'm gonna come and exercise that muscle and have fun i don't know if you guys shot in the summers or when you did it but come have fun in the summers and shoot so many days and then and then when you finally saw it we're like whoa that's I, I i didn't realize how how big of a part this really played yeah yeah i mean when over the you know 12 years of production it was mostly felt like a summer camp <laughs> you know um and like a film camp you know because like i was acting but I got to be a part of so much of it from such a young mm. age, you know, like most of the, you know, anyone who's, I don't need to rehash everything. Anyone who's listened to any coverage of boyhood <laughs> knows probably some about how the scripts were written, but right, like right. it was, we workshopped everything basically. Sure. Like that's pretty much all of the dialogue was like, you know, Richard would have something. And then in the weeks leading up to the production for that year, the actors would get together and we would, you know, create what would become the actual dialogue. Um, it's a ton of and, his process, right? I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, Robert, but it's a ton of his process to point out, like, go watch. We, we obsessed over the before trilogy when we covered that on our, on our podcast and another podcast. And it's, it's one of my most influential things in my kind of storytelling, you know, these dialogue pieces that are super heavy and, um, and talk about subjects that people, I don't know, were too taboo at the time, didn't really want to get into. Some people find these dialogue pieces boring, but they're the most fascinating things for me. And and Boyhood touches on, hey, I'm a product of divorce. I'm going to watch Boyhood and shed a tear because I know exactly what these characters are going through. Yeah. Um, growing up in, in this kind of environment and then uh, going through that kind of change in the end, but at the same time breaking free of, of that world and your character going into college and kind of this freeing element of your character in that regard. I mean, I, it resonates with me heavily. So um, Richard Linklater's process, if you go back to like the before trilogy or to any of his films, really, he sits with these with actors for months at a time. And literally that's why Ethan Hawke um, and Julie Delpy have even writing credit on the last, um, you know, before midnight. So like, before the same yeah. reason, like they're so important actors in your scenario. I mean, you got to experience that firsthand. Like, were you just there as a kid pitching lines and pitching ideas and just going with the flow? <laughs> or what was your what was your kind of experience in that regard with with Rick? Yeah, I mean, Richard has, I think, you know, maybe his greatest gift is the way that he like brings 
brings actors in and like brings the truth and the soul of his actors in to like almost utilize as you know paints i mean that's really how <laughs> kind of he talked about it you know it's like that and th that's just this whole other element you know that for the kind of stories that he tells like brings in things that he can know mm. you know like mm -hmm. Definitely in the case of Boyhood, I, I think, you know, probably Patricia is the most kind of like pointed example of like her experience mm -hmm. as a single mother, like bringing all of everything that she brought to her character in the script is something that like none of us, definitely <laughs> Richard, none of us could know, right. like could know that experience. As know a the mom, things as a woman. And, right. like, and that's true of everyone. You know, like in many ways, boyhood is Richard's story. Mm. Like, I think the, you know, the, the bones, the skeleton of the, the narrative and the, a lot of the beats, like he's telling the story of his, of his experience and, and sure. his childhood, but like bringing us in to just kind of lend our hearts to it, like, create something so much more rich and like universal, sure. you know, I think. And I, yeah, I think as a kid, like, yeah, I, I can't be aware of any of that. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. to me growing up, like just being a part of the kind of art scene yeah, and these just like the art itself, but then also just the artists, these kind of yeah. larger than life yes. figures like Richard Linklater and Bob Schneider and yeah. Robert Rodriguez and like that that, that was our mythology in what, Austin. What like was these. I want to I want to touch on that a bit. What was that scene like? I mean, it was it's obviously Austin still very much has a good uh, a great artist scene all around, but I mean, these you were you were in the middle of it in the thick of it when there was a huge film boom in Austin. Um what 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 was what were your eyes seeing in the, in all of this, especially for film? Like what was you saw a lot of people running around going to Austin to do their productions. Um, and then being pretty damn su successful on that on all accounts, a uh, box office to critically acclaimed to bringing more attention to the Texas film scene. What, what did you see? What did you kind of experience in that regard? Yeah. I mean, I think growing up, like, yeah, I mean, what I was kind of saying about for me, the focus seeming like the kind of mythology of like, like identity, of mm -hmm. like the 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 characters of artists you know and and art being like kind of like just like like any goic like expression or accessory mm -hmm. like that's kind of was my conception of art i think for the first you know until i was about 10 or 11 okay and i think around the time like around then is when my parents divorced mm -hmm. and you know that began of rough time in my life and like that was for me personally like that is when I discovered I don't know I guess a deeper relationship with film as like soothing practice uh, escape like you mentioned escapism it definitely became escapism but then also like I just started just to discover that watching certain movies made me feel better sure when I when my life didn't feel good, well, you know, and getting... through that starting to 
wonder like like why why is that like what is it about watching the same film every day (laughs) that like gives me something that i'm lacking in my life or or or, you know soothes something in me you know and and this kind of idea of you know a relationship with with characters and using you know the narratives of of these of characters to reflect on things in my own life or understand things about myself, you know, like that was 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 is like when I started to, I guess, think about art and film specifically more from like, from the perspective of the audience Mm -hmm. and more so like as, like as a tool, you know, instead of, just like, oh, here's this thing that's an expression of, of me, like, behold yeah. it. And, well, that, you know, did, it did Richard, I mean, you did, obviously did other films in between, and, and Richard or, or Ethan or, or, you know, anybody that you worked on just while we're, while we're on Boyhood, um, did they reference anything for you? Like, hey, you should, over the summer, watch this these list of films. I know Richard works like that a little bit in terms, well, probably not with a kid <laughs> like he probably won't overload you with films as a kid but were there any references that you're like hey uh as you mature you know as a storyteller or as you mature as somebody who's consuming cinema uh you should really check this film out i know julie for for even for for others richest films um has she's a director well within her own right ethan's a director well within his own right so like i'm sure they have a plethora of like hey like you should really i know you love these kinds of movies so check this one out or check that one out was there ever references that you started taking and just like it developing your palette for film? Not really. You know, I think, um, I think, I think there was an intentional, I think there was an intention with Richard and uh, Ethan um, to kind of let you be a kid, create, create a space for me mm-hmm. and the other kids that was like outside of the world of nice. film. Oh, wow. Like I don't, he didn't, he didn't want us to be thinking about, that we're making a film gotcha. or thinking about how it's going to look yeah. or how it's going to be perceived. Like that's, that was what the adults were doing, right. you know? And I think, you know, ha- part of how Richard was able to like achieve the naturalist performances right. from a bunch of children was by sort of try, yeah, doing a lot of, doing a lot to like remove the element of the awareness wow. of like this is a film that's going to be a product that will be viewed by people right. like it you know the the feeling of it being just like a summer camp learning about film working on a project with a bunch of family friends basically mm. like i think that was very intentional you gotcha. know it creates um, a more like comfortable setting right where it's not this uh like as an adult it, there's more pressure behind What's the intention? Where is it all going? What's yeah. the direction feeling like? Or like even referencing films, but yeah. I guess for kids and yeah. like you yeah. saying it's a it's almost like a summer camp setting. Uh, I guess that created like a better environment. An where insulated, it was just, yeah. Of, yeah. You didn't have to worry about failing, I guess, as much. Yeah, or just or just self consciousness. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Whether you're worrying about something specific or not, I think just it's you know it is a as any actor knows, like it's a, it's a serious practice Mm. to learn how to interact with the camera and the hypothetical audience Mm. through the camera, you know? And once you've been in a film that has been finished and shown to people, like 
you can never unknow <laughs> that. You, yeah. you can never unexperience that. And you forever then, when you are in the presence of a camera, in front of a camera, there is this, you know, a metaphysical connection to yeah. the eventual audience. What, that will, what was your that ex will your experience in the reception in that regard, right? Because Mr. Mr. Gassler here, whenever we shoot a film and, you know, we're premiering it somewhere, we're, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to see myself on the screen. Yeah, I don't want to because I can't change certain things anymore. Picture lock, whatever. What was uh, I, we'll talk about the general reception of everybody because this film <laughs> broke the news in terms of uh, innovation in cinema uh, for that for that era. Um, you know, but in your in your regard, what was your first experience seeing the final product? What was what was it? Uh, I, yeah, it was I, it was crazy. How old I were mean, you? You were what? Uh, 17, 18? I was I was 19. OK. Yeah, I was 19. I was 19 when we the final the final episode was gosh yeah i guess it was like right right after right before my 19th birthday i don't remember okay. exactly and then there was a there was a cut for me to watch within six months mm. um so it was like that next that next spring um uh you know was that a, like? a pa a, a pa from the detour office came <laughs> and brought me a blu-ray at where I was living uh -huh. in Austin and Richard told me to watch it by myself <laughs> and I did. I mean, it's, it's difficult to find words, wow. you know? Um, and there was, and I, and I watched it so many times <laughs> in the, in the, in the two years, you know, following that and my relationship with it has shifted so much you know that it's hard to remember exactly like that yeah. first time but it was just it was cathartic i mean that's mm. that's the main experience for me with that film overall that it just like there is this there is an outpouring of <laughs> emotion that is difficult to understand yeah. or describe you know and, and i think that then in different ways translated to you know a whole lot of people who watched it obviously had, you know, big emotional experiences with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my, my, the way it felt to watch it by myself that first time sure. of just this, like, it, I mean, the, the, honestly, the best way to describe it is like, it was like an acid trip. It was like a <laughs> psychedelic experience of yeah. just like, so, so I don't know how else to describe it. Just like watching myself grow up. Yeah. Like when, what other, what other, you know, what people have that experience? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the Harry Potter kids. <laughs> right, some way, right. That's a good point. Like the Seven Up. But kids. not, yeah, so but not in one right? Yeah, not way. in one viewing, right? Yeah. Not in in one's. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to have it be this just like time lapse, yeah. you know, that if you remove the the artifice and the the script and the context of it and just for me it's, it's a home video of you growing up yeah. body grew up and <laughs> yeah. remembering what you know everything around it yeah. like it i don't know it was mind-blowing you know yeah. but then you know then uh whatever a year or however many months later then we're premiering at you know, Sundance. I was about to say, uh, now it belongs to the world, right? We we as filmmakers right. know that once a film is 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 shared with the world, it belongs to them now. 
Um, and, and it, well, I didn't. I didn't know that. You know? <laughs> that's, okay. that's the thing. You know, I was I, I, there. There was no I had no concept of, of what it meant or what it would feel like yeah. to release a film or that, you know, or the way that releasing this film would be. Sure, you know, sure. I mean, I think Richard. Like, I mean, I remember when when they were finishing it, when they were finishing it right before I was watching the cut, like. You know, Richard kind of sitting me down and being like, I don't want you to be disappointed if no one cares about this movie. Uh-huh. Like, it's really important to us. Mm-hmm. And like, it will always be this thing for us. But there's a good, there's like a decent chance that no one will get it or care, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that was almost the perspective that I was coming sure. to it from. Like, we're, I'm just like, you know, I was like living in a school bus, like, <laughs> You know, we're like dirty, degenerate Austin artists. That's was my life and my community. And like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't expect, I didn't expect the way it was. And the, and yeah, and the, the ownership, you know, the gift of like, this is this thing that we made and we are giving it now. And, you know, now, that first time on stage, yeah. like the exposure, you know, right. and the relationship like, you know, I'm sure all of you guys have had some version of the experience of just being on stage oh, yeah. at a film festival, talking with an audience who has like had an emotional yeah. response to the thing that you created. And there's just, there is a very tangible, like energetic interaction yeah. that is happening yeah. in that moment. Now, and th- like, that, set that off... was my first, yeah. my first experience of that you know, was, was extreme, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it was, it was extreme in, in many ways. Now that's, and, that's set off a series of things, right? Other, because that, that experience that you're talking about, I, I would assume Richard would agree that we're on, we're in the same school of thought of like, that's the most important thing is seeing an audience connect with it right before your eyes. Right. Because people are going to write articles about it or they're going to do this or, or pieces on it. But that immediate response of at a film festival at Sundance, where, you know, people love cinema and they're probably almost the, sharp, the, the harshest critics because they, they know what a good film is. Yeah. Right. Um, at least collectively to a certain degree, despite the fact that it's subjective. But that's the most special feeling, a, 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 a kind of a approval of your peers, if you will, actors, directors, the people who are making films. But. Let's face it, this film set off a series of events where now Eller is quite literally the poster child and going on on Kimmel and going on Letterman and going on on talk shows and and now getting Oscar buzz, now getting like, so what this set off now even a bigger scope. If that was already overwhelming, now what did it do for you as 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 an artist, as a as a as a human being going off to do this, now this press run on this film that people are really connecting with, you know? Right. Well, I mean, in my life since then, what it's done for me is it's, you know, that I have a legacy. I have a reputation. I have a space that I exist in within the industry, especially in Austin that like just opened a lot of doors for me, you know, and allowed me to, allowed me to have, a career and a community, you know, and just something that just my foot in the door of like, Oh, we know who this guy is. (laughs) He grew up on film sets. Like I I know, I know how it works, you know, but 
that yeah those i mean there was about a year and a half um of of that of press of <laughs> you know going around to all the festivals and q and a's and then the whole awards trail and all of that did and rick like, or, or or ethan or patricia or did they did they help you they've been through that a million times did they give you any advice to say, Hey dude, this is your first one. The first one's always the one to remember or the scariest you're like, look out for this, look out for that. Did you get any of that? Or was it? Yeah, a little bit, you know, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful to have had definitely Ethan and Patricia, you know, around because they were, they were both child actors and they, right. you know, definitely understand to some degree, you know, yeah. what, what that was like. I, I, you know, it was, it was different for me because like it, like to be in that position of having this film be widely received and appreciated and then nominated for awards. Mm -hmm. It's like, these are things that people work their entire lives, yeah. you know, yeah. dream about. Yeah. And like for so many filmmakers and actors and just people in the industry, like, these are these kind of like goals of right. like, wow, yeah. you go to the Oscars someday, right. go to these parties, go to these big film festivals. And like, it's not that I didn't want it, but like, <laughs> it wasn't me. Like I was a little kid, you know, yeah, I wasn't yeah. acting in boyhood thinking about like, Oh, we're going to go to the Oscars yeah, no. someday. Just, I'm going to be in Hollywood, you know, walking red carpets, talking about this. <laughs> like it was just, it was just a project I was working on. Yeah, the trajectory. You know? and so yeah. My my introduction to the you know the reality in the world of film publicity and film sure. like uh, you know just appreciation you know yeah, in yeah, that yeah. much larger industry sense was very different. And like I'm just going to be honest, like I hated it. <laughs> I get that good? No, I, yeah, please. It was give like, us a I am, I, I, I am, I, I'm indie through and through, yeah. you know, like I, I love the process. Yeah. I love the projects. I love the community, the the collaboration, like, you know, crazy guerrilla filmmaking, yeah. like just a bunch of people figuring out how to make <laughs> magic happen together. And you can, and you like, can tell right away who loves it, right? Who loves that aspect? Cause Rick, Rick, Rick doesn't like being in front of the camera. doesn't like talking in interviews. He leaves that to Ethan or he leaves that to whoever, right? And, and that's, yeah, to you and that's an error, right? It was you, but, um, but you can tell right away who loves the work and loves the art and you can tell right away who loves the attention, right? And then boyhood yeah. through and through and the, what we know of your career so far through and through is that you just love the process. You love the art. Um, so I, I love that you're confirming that with us because it's a huge aspect, right? I got to nerd out a little bit. Okay. As a student of acting and obviously you're a professional, you got to work with one of the icons, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> How was that experience? Did, you, did he teach you anything? Did he the like last any movie star. The last movie star. Oh, man. It, that was such a trip. I mean, because I really correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was his last. Yeah, that was his last yeah. performance. Yeah. So we were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, he was yeah. supposed to be in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think like two weeks before production, he, he passed away. Yeah. yeah so you're right. right. It was the last one. Yeah. Was he an intense yeah, so, person? I mean, gosh, yeah. Bert was in. <laughs> a special moment in his life when I met him, Ooh. you know, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was on the way out for sure. Like his, he, he was having a hard, hard time, you know, just 
mo moving around, you know, have doing dialogue. Like it was, it was clear that, that, that he was, you know, not long for the world, but like, yeah. And so there was a lot of <clears throat> like accommodation mm -hmm. that had to happen sure. around that. Like sure. pretty much everything else that was happening on that set was like, just being rearranged yeah. and orchestrated around Bert, you know, being able to do his work, yeah. um, creating space and the time and like, oh, like now's like, okay, Bert's feeling up to it now. We gotta do it right now, <laughs> yeah. you know. Wow. That other thing later, wow. like Bert's did here you, now. Did you guys shoot that? It. Where did you shoot but that? Then, like he was he was in this very like introspective mm. place. Okay. You know. Like, I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's the only time I've ever met him, so I don't know what he was like at any other time in his life. But the the version of him that I, that I met, that we met on that set, was very different than right. the image sure. of Burt Reynolds, you know, swaggering, mustache, <laughs> yeah. badass, like, sex symbol. Yeah, yeah. It he, was more introspective, like, was, more, you were able to have these very, intimate conversations. He was very introspective. He was talking about a lot of, like, regret. You wow. know, and just how his how his body was broken from you know from his from doing his own stunts Years and from of, yeah. car wrecks uh, yeah. and you know talking about you know broken relationships mm, and mm -hmm. you know the being a womanizer and how he regrets wow. you know the way that he treated women when he was young and you know told us told us about about breaking his back on you know on uh, on deliverance because yeah. <laughs> like because he because that when he goes over the waterfall oh, like yeah. they had a dummy oh yeah and he was like that's what he was saying he's like they had a dummy and i would and he was like i was you wanted to be the i badass. was all cocky yeah, like yeah. no i'll do it that'll look stupid i'm a badass i'm that's what they do. broke his back yeah. on the first take you know yeah. <laughs> um so it was really interesting it was a really interesting moment for me to meet him you know i think in in my life like having just had the experience with boyhood and having had this kind of window into being a young film star right, right. you know and seeing all these you know younger versions of the burt reynolds johnny depp type mm. of like archetype of like and you, you got to see that boy. what's God. interesting is just based off what you're saying like seeing getting that version of burt you got that version of Bert in an indie film. <laughs> Even his choices were like, I want to do something a little more special. I don't know if he knew this was a swan song or not, but you got to see him work in this capacity of like, huh, what if I skip the steps <laughs> and and go right. into it in this mentality of like indie and stories that are mm. compelling to me and stories that I know are going to make an impact in the long run um, or, or make an impact in my own life. Um, was that something that came across your mind? Like, man, that's interesting. Like we got, we're seeing Bert in an indie set telling us these stories, you know? Definitely. And, and telling a story that, you know, relates very much to his own experience. Yeah. Like obviously yeah. he, he was not, you know, nearly as like washed up as the character in the, in that film. <laughs> right, right, right. But still, you know, the woes of being, yeah. of like having gone through this experience of sure. being a sex, Simple, being an international star, larger than life right. figure, with just a whole kind of, you know, there's a whole subculture sure, almost like sure. of just the swagger of Burt Reynolds. Right. Uh, and then just like showing, you know, the kind of some of the 
the anguish of the you know of, of the actual person and the and the isolation of right, right. you know of that i think is is really powerful you know and yeah i don't know if he knew it was his last film or you know or what his conception of yeah. you know or what his choice to you know to to do that that film was you know but i think it like adam adam was a huge like you know burt reynolds fan like it's very much a a love letter to him and his legacy and also an acknowledgement like of his humanity yeah you know and i think that 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 story and the offer to him is in some ways like a gift a gift to him to acknowledge that he's also a human being underneath the whole burt reynolds thing you know and i it seemed like that's what it was about for him you know, and there was there were moments on that set where it was just like, all right, now we just like this is our all of our this is our chance to like <laughs> be here with this man yeah, this and like okay, like you know the clock is ticking, money's burning, but Bert's telling us a story right now, <laughs> and we all we're all going to stop and listen. Wow, you know? <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. That's that's that sounds like the best experience you could have gotten yeah. out of that situation. Now. Yeah. You on the other end of the spectrum, you do something like like uh, the circle, right? Ooh. For for major studio, kind of a bigger picture, um, and then yeah, the likes of Tom Hanks and Emma. Like, what what was your experience on that on that other end of the spectrum where you're still working with people who are, you know, have made their mark and 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 by the way, holding your own entirely. Like, I oh, don't yeah. know if they brought up any of your past films or or, or Boyhood or anything like that, but. Um, your your role in that was was very electric. It was very tell, and it was very important for the arc of the film in general. You know, so um, what was your experience on on a set like that? More more of a major, you know, a bigger picture, anyways, in terms of scale and budget. And- right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I I appreciate that. I <laughs> you. Uh, not everyone agrees with you about my performance in that film, Jeez. so I, I appreciate it. No, it's man, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that was such a, such a different experience. Like that was, I, that might've, I'm trying to remember the timeline of things. That might've been my first like big post boyhood job. Okay. Um, Because I really like to jump back a little bit. Like when I got the part in boyhood, Uh I was like, I had been auditioning for a couple of years pretty consistently. Like I had gotten a position with an agency in Austin and I was kind of doing the grind. The version of the grind in Austin, you know, and did commercials, a couple of indie projects. And like at the time that Boyhood came around, I was kind of getting tired of it. Like it wasn't, I was mostly just getting commercials and we were, it was just all this time and effort to go do the auditions. And it was just like, I wasn't getting anything out of it, you know? So I was kind of ready to stop, you know? Like I almost had to be, I think my mom like kind of talked, like, pushed me a little bit to even do the boyhood, you know and then when I got that part it was like okay I've got this I have this outlet to do this thing that I enjoy doing but I'm not so I didn't really audition I I didn't really correct me if I'm wrong Eller but it sounds like too like once you got that part um it it sounds like you knew you were going to be doing it every year anyways so it gave you an outlet to like to, to be able to know, like, oh, I don't have to go through the audition process for this anymore. I could just do this exactly. every year and be cool with it and not worry so much. 
explore other films if I want to, or oh, explore I other, like, I, there's a guarantee for the next 12 years that I'm going to be doing this thing, right? Um, which... Totally. Yeah, that's, that, that's how it felt, you know? And so I kind of, I hadn't really, like, I had that project, yeah. but I hadn't been thinking of myself as an actor, really, sure. for most of my teenage years when we were shooting the film, like, it was just... Like, I'm an actor in the sense that I am acting in this film, but yeah. it, the rest of my life, like, I was doing other stuff, you know, yeah, and other kinds of art and just being a being a kid. But, you know, all that to say, like, then post-boyhood, getting the part in the circle and, like, you know, I was a big James Ponsoldt mm. fan, mm. Um, okay. you know, the, really all of his films. I um and the spectacular now is, is always one i always revisit here and there and the, the end yeah the end of the watch the, the end of the tour i'm sorry and, the end of the tour is, is phenomenal and what's picture. the one with with aaron paul and mary elizabeth is smashed i think uh yeah oh, smashed dude. smashed yeah yeah it's Such. yeah both of both of those films are just yeah just gorgeous and you I'm, know i'm just like, a big grown, like, i grew up around a lot of yeah. alcoholism yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, those. yeah 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 and it, yeah, I like think it was called Wasted. Powerful no, no, it's called Smash. It's, it's called Smash. End of the tour. End of the End tour, of the yeah. Tour too. I, I mean, that, I think that was, that came out not long before we were shooting The Circle. And like, I I also had like just read Infinite Jest. Oh my gosh, David Foster Wallace. <laughs> so like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. Just, I just remember crying, watching into the tour and just crying <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much. Like that movie's gorgeous. So now you um, got to work with him. This was a guy who... Yeah, so I was I was really excited, you know? And it, and it, I mean, it's crazy how different it was than the experiences I had had before. And, and I got sure. to, you know, I got to really see a window into the like, I mean, that's not like, it's still like semi indie. Like sure. that movie inhabits a weird yeah. space where, like, it's like, yeah, it, it's hard to know exactly how to define it. I guess um, the names in like, the film made it made it what it was in terms of scale, major major um, scale. But but the actual production itself is was more of an indie feel. You, you mean or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of the scale, and then like you know the choice for Ponsult uh, to be the director and bring, you know, something very different. Yeah. Like that film, it could have just, it has all the makings to just be like, just kind of a blockbuster, right. like sci-fi set piece action yeah. thing, you know? And I think, I mean, of course the subject matter has a lot of depth to it, but then also like the choice to have Ponsult helm it was a specific choice sure. you know that i i'm not sure everyone was really prepared for what that meant mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. so like the impression that i saw on that set was like almost a collision of worlds wow you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and like consoles being this like very delicate very emotionally like internally focused storyteller mm -hmm. that like his whole thing is just the like nasty painful intricacies of sure. like human interaction and his, so much of his craft is about how to get that out of actors sure. similar to richard like he works very differently but it's a similar focus yeah, and just like the goal. tiniest yeah. little yeah. things and the tiniest just differences in expression yeah. and like just the his the arguments in his films mm -hmm. are like incredible now in, um, in that film you have um how did that play off in, in being opposite, you know, Emma Watson? I mean, you, she was your most consistent scene partner as opposed to Tom Hanks or, or, or um, John Boyega or anybody else. But 
what how did that play off to to have a, a good yin and yang between you and, and Emma? Yeah, well, I mean, she's the only one I actually worked with. I, I didn't meet really anyone else until the until after the premiere. Um, so, yeah. I was never on set with with Tom or, or John or Pat Oswald or any of those guys. I I did get to meet uh, Bill Paxton though, which I was like, <laughs> oh, right. so excited about. I didn't know it would be my last chance at the time, um, yeah. but I you know I was I loved <laughs> I loved him as an actor growing up. Yeah, so yes. really, and he was like. He was he was wonderful. He was so like just with his glasses on the tip of his nose, like so just <laughs> yeah. like, doing doing his work. Like he awesome. really yeah. loved loved his craft. But but no, with Emma, I mean, it was great. There was it was. I think it honestly, there was a point where, like James had to like come to Emma and I and be like, okay, I wrote the script. Like you guys need to just read the script, like. <laughs> Wow. Because we I, we kind of took the freedom and collaborative energy maybe a little too far, uh, I guess. Um, gotcha. But there was a lot, you know. I mean, it was that there's really mainly the one the one scene like inside of the circle office um, is the big one, sure, and sure. like we yeah we workshopped that a lot, you know. And I was thinking a lot about some of specifically some of the scenes in spectacular now and the just the way that like the body language is used in those like the arguments like i remember one scene specifically when miles is like the miles character is arguing with his mom Mm -hmm. and there's just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know just the the range of emotion in such a short period of time is like bewildering you know and so i was thinking about that a lot in the in that you know in that moment in the circle office when i'm being (laughs) surrounded and i'm like kind of breaking down yeah um yeah and just like part of part of i think how james achieves that is like that like that there are wildly different versions of every scene that are all shot right on top of each other. Uh, and I think like I, that's my theory. Like I haven't exactly talked to him about it, but like having the experience on set and watching his films, I'm like, Oh, maybe th- I, that's what's going on sure. here because I, it, it feels very confusing, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I think it's difficult to comprehend like as it's happening, like why like, okay, we did it. We did the take this way. Yeah. And then, it's that's good, but then now we're doing it in this completely different sure, way, sure. and then going back to something else, and they're all good. And it's like <laughs> so, like what? It's like it, it's it's all over the place, you know. And and that's just him trying to find like what's the right emotion for the scene, I guess. Yeah, right. Well, and and then mixing them all together. Yeah, like okay, I think okay. I think that as, creating the you know, chaos through the process. In his earlier films, like experiencing that dynamic on set i was like oh I, maybe that's how he does that sure. but it's like that there are four takes of this scene that are very different tones right and then he mixes all of the yeah. coverage of that together yeah, sure, sure, sure. to create this experience where like it's a mosaic, you see someone yeah. one second and then you cut to the other character right. and you cut back and they have a totally different oh, facial yeah. expression right, right, right. which like acting it that way feels really like kind of insane uh-huh. and like melodramatic right but then 
seeing it. It's like, no, that's actually kind of more what it's like. <laughs> an argument with your mom yeah, or point. your yeah, ex-girlfriend, like you're going through all kinds of different yep, emotions. Exactly. In a very rapid, you know, very short period of time. Yeah. So like it, there was a, it was, it was very chaotic, you know, right. and there was a lot of just like, I don't know, just trying to figure out <laughs> as, as we were going, um, that I don't know. Yeah. I, I really appreciated it. And, but it was, yeah, such a different, such a different dynamic, you know, in like, because like Richard's, Richard has his own world, you <laughs> yeah. know, that he right. created for himself. Yeah. And boyhood happened in Richard's world. Right, and he right. like a very collaborative, very generous, very inviting artist. And he is also like the mastermind of everything. No, it's, like, it's interesting he, that you... The maestro, the puppeteer, yeah, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all his plan. It's interesting that you, know? you point out the difference there because, you know, uh, the past couple films that we've done... Like I told you, Michael's my my cinematographer and, and Austin, my producer. And then in a lot of the instances in these past few films, Eric, actor, I, I will screen films for, for my crew, you know, and say this is exactly this this tonal shift in this particular moment or the score coming in at this particular yeah. thing. And we explored a lot um, before midnight for this next film that we're getting ready oh, yeah. to do. Um, and and the hotel scene and the argument in the hotel scene with, with Ethan and, and Julie and their characters. And knowing that it's one location and knowing that the switching of just their, their body language, the switching of their position in the room, him being at a higher point, she being at a higher point in certain instances uh, is what really makes the scene dynamic. And we go back and forth with references like that. Things like in the mood for love that oh, are very yeah. intentional in that regard. Things yeah. like so like um, I think it's super crucial for you to point out the difference and and how these processes, if you will, of each director really do matter <laughs> they really do matter and they could be coming from different worlds and they could be you know yeah. isolated even in their own world but this intention is 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 everything to us like <laughs> because there's so many different ways to explore the same <laughs> yeah. like human emotion yeah. or, or the same human experience of yeah. like an argument or finding love or finding uh you know or losing for somebody or, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah losing a friend all, all these concepts i mean yeah that's fascinating Eller. i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you can share that experience with us because um like you say not only are you paying attention as a storyteller um but you're it informs your acting for one in this in this regard yeah. um and even when you're in art department or you're in other capacities and it, it has to be informed it has to be intentional and if it isn't it, it's not gonna it's not gonna deliver it's not gonna it's not gonna right. communicate the emotion that you want to communicate in that regard um wow that's that's fascinating insight now Eller, before we I, we've taken up too much of your time man so i want to make sure to to respect that and uh before we kind of uh I, one thing one of the last things i want to talk about is kind of your you're diving into the indie sets now that you've been exposed to all of these worlds or a good chunk of these worlds within the film um the film industry and, and quote-unquote hollywood um Talking, coming from fellow indie indie guys, we we see the the changes. <laughs> we see the changes that are happening in the industry. Not most of the changes we're not a fans. We're not fans of per se, right? Uh, where the direction of this is heading and where indies are getting left to a yeah. certain degree because as a result of it. But I also am of the school of thought that that's that's up to us, right? Who we share these stories with and how we push for them to be distributed and how we push for them to be exhibited. Uh, is, is a huge part on us. So your choices post, I guess, post the circle, if you will. Um, obviously, we talked about the Weird Kids a little bit, the animated feature, but stuff like 
you know, I think be between mutual friends, uh, there was a huge talk of like the man who killed Hitler and Bigfoot. Um, and that's because, you know, a couple of the guys here in El Paso were involved with that production yeah. and stuff like that. And there was a premiere here in town and whatnot. Um, what are your choices moving forward in that regard, in the regard of like, I'm going to be much more selective with mm. my roles and, and these stories that I want to tell. And as far out as people think they might be or as intimate as they think they might be they're they're still indie because nobody are telling these stories. So what's your choice in that regard? I mean, I honestly that choice, the core of that choice for me is like self-care, you know, wow. it's like my mental health. Like I, I just like working on indie films, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, and yeah, I mean, so after the circle, and you know, I have I've had a handful of roles, but like the acting thing didn't really take off for me. You know, like it's weird to say that because I was at the Oscars. I went yeah. to I was in a film to the Oscars <laughs> and had this massive success and this experience of fame. But like, you know, that was ten years ago, mm. and I was auditioning consistently mm. for five of those years sure. and not a lot happened not a mm. lot came from it you know and so there came a point where i was just kind of like okay like what am i gonna do like what am i gonna how am i gonna make money mm. um and i was introduced to art department mm. you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I, it really the Rodney Becker, who was the production designer on Boyhood the entire time, oh, okay. hired me, you know, for his crew. Wow. Um, and so I started working mostly on commercials with them. And like that was kind of my my bread and butter for many years, wow. um, really until COVID, you know, like that was I was kind of pretty consistently just like set dressing on commercials. Like sure. there's a lot of that in Austin, you know, and it was good work. And like started to discover the, you know, the real guerrilla, like ultra low budget filmmaking right. and what that is, you know, and like connecting with a director with a crazy idea and not a lot of money <laughs> right. and like right. staying up for weeks at a time <laughs> and just like doing this insane thing and having this bonding experience with people and, you know, applying the skills that like most of it I've just learned through like osmosis, you yeah, know, like there's yeah. so much that I, of course, like learned from Rodney and Aaron Statler is his first. And like, you know, the, the, you know, the specific tricks of, you know, set dressing and production sure, design, sure. like there's tons that I learned there, but like, there's so much of just like, the dynamics of a set yeah. and the ways that you have to think yeah. in certain circumstances on set that like I just grew up with, mm. you know? And so like I discovered that there's just, there's just some benefit that I can bring yeah. to, yeah. to really small productions with folks who haven't made a lot of movies or haven't worked mm. on, you know, bigger projects with bigger crews and like, and there's a weird part of it too that like I'm a little it's weird for me to talk about yeah. because it's like just who I am mm -hmm. like brings something like 
contextually to a project that like just because of the film and my kind of legacy in the industry it's like my presence on a set brings something you know and like realizing that and coming to terms with it like it's weird it's it's weird to acknowledge that because it's not like it doesn't come from a place of like arrogance you're like i'm so awesome just being there is like but like it's having to acknowledge that internal elephant in the room right Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The elephant in the room for sure. Yeah. No, but it's good. Uh, it's good. Do you know how much confidence you give indie filmmakers just by, by there, they may not call that out, but I could, yeah, exactly. I, I will call that out. I mean, having conversations with you about uh, just even the projects that we're working on or certain scripts, certain things, it's like, Oh, you know what? Somebody who's done this before on a legitimate scale, working with heroes of ours who, who, you know, probably bumps right. into these guys from time to time still, and they're still talking about projects and they're still talking about things yes. like, it, it validates the filmmaker that you're working with. It validates the set that and not only are you validating them by by your being there, because it is true, but you're also contributing to to their stories, something that's very special right. to them at that point. I mean, it's massive. Yeah, the validation of like of like, yeah, like I've been there. Yeah. I've been to the Oscars. I've been to those parties. I've been in that space of like the, you know, top tier of capitalist yeah. filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. And like and I, I'm choosing this. Like I'm yes. choosing yeah. to yeah. go into rural Alabama and <laughs> stay up all night with a bunch of fucking weirdos and make this insane movie yeah. because like yeah. this is awesome and these are real people doing something that's like important that they need to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. like filmmaking is like is a way out for a lot of people. Like Absolutely. it's more than just a career or an art form mm-hmm. or a product that you're making. It's like being a part of the world and a part of the mechanism yeah. and lending yourself and your time to like collectively create something Absolutely. is like, it's, you know, it's a, it's a ritual practice and it's a, it's a therapeutic practice yeah, that people absolutely. that we use, you know, to understand our lives and also escape our lives, yeah. you know, and approaching it, like that, that reality and that like motivation yeah. for filmmaking as like both the process and the product as a gift, like to oneself mm-hmm. and also to like the immediate community yeah. Yeah. is so, is so much more tangible. The smaller you go, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like the harder that someone is, is working <laughs> To yeah. get a film made, the more th- like the more they the more it needs to be made. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you wouldn't be trying this hard if you didn't need yeah. to do this. Absolutely, this guy gets and it. Like, he gets it. He gets it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what I that's what I like in it. You may you, know? you may have like, already said said it, um, Eller, but the the way we kind of like to wrap up the podcast is: Is there any advice you have for storytellers? Um, would you, would that be something that you're advising? Is there something more that you want to add to that particular piece of like, um, go this route because this this is, this is what's real. This is what's. Absolutely. I mean, for me, like having had the experience, this kind of full circle of like starting, you know, very dirty, low budget gorilla, just anarchist kind of art (laughs) world. And then going to Hollywood and then coming back around, it's like, 
you know, I'll, I was so inspired by the weird kids and, and mm. being at the premiere of the weird oh, kids yeah. and just seeing, because that film is like, is so local, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I think it absolutely has appeal to a much wider audience sure, like, sure. as we're seeing, like people all over the country are enjoying it, but like all over the world, it just came like, back from, uh, uh, Europe, from, um, Paris, really? I think a yeah, festival totally. An animation. Uh, right. Festival. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible, but, but there's still, there is something yeah. like it is this labor of love <laughs> yeah. that is like by a local about the place for people yeah. from the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and that, I, I just, I guess that's the advice is just that like, not only is that enough, but like, that's also something unique, yeah, yeah. you know, and something that to me at this point in my life and career is more important and more exciting. Sure. Like creating something that resonates on a very, on a personal level right. with a specific group of people and, and the creator and the creator's family, you know, like that just, yeah. Like community based art that is made by a community yeah. for the same community. Yeah. And I just think with, the industry and the commodification of film, it's so easy to get caught up yeah. in the grandeur and the like, oh, like it, there's always another step. There's always another like, oh, well, you know, we get on Netflix, we go to get awards or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And like, oh, this is great. Of course, exposure is how you get money to make bigger movies. Right. But like, I just think it's, not quite all it's cracked up to be <laughs> sure, uh, sure. and and there's just there's so much like beauty and resonance to be found in like making art and f making films yeah. that are not for that they're not for the whole world they're not yeah. for the machine right they're right, for, right. for yeah. us yeah you know Kind of like a, and if they catch on, that that's great. Yeah. But like sometimes maybe it's better if they don't. You know, <laughs> yeah, like I think yeah. about Boyhood. Like I don't have any like regret or resentment exactly about yeah. what happened with Boyhood, and you know, it allowed me to like I own a home in my twenties, <laughs> so like yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, and I have this legacy that kind of gets me in the door in right, a lot of right. film situations. But I also just think about like how different yeah. it would be if it hadn't been like that. Yeah. You know, if, if boyhood was more like slacker right. or like yeah. Yeah. a cult thing that mm. like everyone in Austin knows about right. and like film nerds know about, yeah. like that's a very different, Slackers, that's a very different freaking, space yeah. for a film to inhabit. And I think <laughs> once it, once it, once a film crosses a certain threshold yeah. into like wider consumption, you can't ever really go back. Yeah, you can't ever sure, really sure. experience it in the same way that you would yeah. if it were, if it were more contained. Yeah, you know well, that's fair. But I also think like something like Boyhood. Um, at least when I screen it for people who haven't seen it, it still lives in that realm for me. For me yeah. and for other people, like yeah, this film the the headline of it was made in twelve years. Cool, great legacy type stuff. But let's look at this trajectory of of this kid and look at the trajectory of these parents and the dynamics that we had to go through to get to this very beautiful sunset 
point at the end of the film and and just how much of an arc there is there like these the people i screen it for are always like how did i not know about this i'm like that's kind of the point yeah. i'm glad it wasn't this oversaturated thing yeah. for you i'm glad that you get to experience it blindly and then uh, and then right. walk out of there feeling much more fulfilled <laughs> to a certain degree about experiencing yeah. this film. and i think it comes down to uh being a part of projects that have heart right because Absolutely. you can see projects that were made and go to theaters and you feel like did was there any soul behind that or was it just something that was you know <laughs> supposed to be really marketable and then um like we saw with the uh, weird kids here in el paso when we had the screening um the entire community was just so uh appreciative of what was now made and put into the world yeah. and you know your part in all that um it, it's something that can't be taken away and i think it's nice to see that you have found the value in that and even yeah. like you say the whole full circle trajectory where um that's not something that yeah. should go away you shouldn't just get jaded and then move on and say okay well you do local first and then you move on no there's <laughs> there, there's a place for it yeah and there's also people that really appreciate something that yeah. we can bring into the world that's true totally eller man i can't thank you enough man this has been massively insightful yeah. um and and again this is just uh it's exciting to know that there are people still out there who get it yes <laughs> who yeah. get it and, and you're a prime example of that man exactly. on top of being a phenomenal actor on top of being a phenomenal storyteller uh you give a shit at the bottom <laughs> line like it's part in my my way of putting it but you give a shit and i hope that filmmakers could take away from that like as long as you give a shit but like genuinely give a shit for all the right reasons your art is gonna touch somebody your art is really gonna connect with somebody awesome. and uh and that's what it's all about absolutely yeah i do get it i do give a shit <laughs> i mean i think that's the advice it's just like film is important and i yes. think to think of film as a device yeah yeah you know like it's a it's a tool that we can use for a lot of things absolutely absolutely, absolutely. well you heard it here on the Towercast podcast. Um, we had the amazing Eller Coltrane on the show, uh, just giving us a ton of insight on the amazing projects he's been in and, and just the advice that he gives that he's going to continue to carry on. And I'm just excited for the next projects that you're going to do, Eller, because I know that whatever project it is, you're, you're, your heart is in it. You're yeah. dedicated. You're all in, man. And, um, and that's something special for director, writer, storytellers to, to notice Absolutely. from somebody. So. Um, thank you guys for tuning into the podcast, man. Make sure and just, you know, keep track of what others doing. And and anytime you see his name, uh, just just watch it because, you know, it's going to be special. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for the next couple episodes. We have we have some more great guests that we're going to talk to down the line on the Towercast. And check in over at the Watchtower Film Podcast. We're going to be reviewing a ton of great films this month and leading up into like Halloween and getting into some really cool Halloween picks and the live film cafe stuff. Come join us once a month. Uh, at the film cafe yeah, it's a ton, of of, a ton of fun big blast we have some beers we talk film we want to hear from everybody yeah, we want to hear from everybody so um eller again i can't thank you enough man yeah, thank and, you so much. and make sure and uh and uh and check this out people help us share this episode help us by liking subscribing commenting sharing let's get the word out man we just love to talk cinema with other people like eller who love cinema as well so thank you so much for tuning in to the tower cast podcast and we'll see you next time Later, guys. Take care. thanks guys